0: Hello, everyone. This is Adelia again with Aroha Arts Collective. And I thank you for joining us for week two of In Memory Of. This is our Aroha Arts Collective Black History Month commemoration. And uh, we spend each Sunday in February, we will be kind of reflecting on the lives of seven people. My intern, if you could introduce yourself, please.
1: Hi everybody. I'm
0: Ashley. I'm a Delia's intern. And where are you hailing from Ashley? Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Hey. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ashley did a, a lot of great research. Um, she did research on on all these individuals. And so this is our way of paying homage to the to the lives of these people so that we don't forget who they were. and we don't forget that they once walked among us and had connections with family and friends and in their community. And they were here. They were here with us. And so this is our way of remembering them. And so what we'll be doing today is uh, kind of just reflecting on you know, the things we've learned and what the experience was like for Ashley to do the research. And then you know for me, as I was learning new things <laughs> Every time she sent me her research, I was learning new things. And so um, we both wanted to be able to share that experience with all of you. So just before we get too far into this, I just wanted to say that the intro and outro song is the song Hell You Talking About by Janelle Monae in Wonderland. Um, this was a protest song that uh, is used to say the names of those who've, who have been, who've been murdered over, the, over time people of African descent and um, there's power in remembering people's names. So at the end of the podcast, I will be playing the song in its entirety. And that way you can hear the names as they're being called in the song. So um, what we're gonna start with uh, before we get into the conversation is Ashley is going to share the names of the seven people that we focused on this week, and then I will offer a prayer for the departed.
1: Okay, so this week we're going to be focusing on Alberta Sprill, Kendra James, Sean Bell, Kimani Gray, Rika Boyd, Tom Livingston, and Michael Brown. Grant, O oh
0: my Lord, that they who have ascended unto thee may repair unto him who is the most exalted companion and abide beneath the shadow of the tabernacle of thy majesty and the sanctuary of thy glory. Sprinkle, O my Lord, upon them from the ocean of thy forgiveness what will make them worthy to abide so long as thine own sovereignty endureth within thy most exalted kingdom and thine highest dominion. Potent art thou to do what pleaseth thee. Okay. So each week in the month of February on Aroha Arts Collective, on our Facebook page, and on Instagram, we post each day about someone, a picture of them, as well as the backstory, um, their backstory. So the seven people that we're going to be kind of reflecting on and thinking about today, this past week, Each day there was a day dedicated to to that individual. So um, I think this time I'm going to start off because last week, Ashley, you did (laughs) um, kind of reflections. I think this week I'd like to because there were a lot of people in this list I'd not heard of. And I was struck by just the ages. The ages were so vast, right? You had Miss Spiral, Miss Alberta Spiral. And then you had Kimani Gray, who was, yes. how, how old was he again? And I think Mrs. Sproul was in her 50s, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Mrs. Correctly.
1: Evans, Kimani Gray was 16. Yes. yes,
0: and just this, that there was just, there's no, there's not even any difference in the ages. Like, there's not deference given to elders, and there's not care given to young ones, right? It's just very similar even to week one, you had... I think Tamir Rice was the youngest last week. He was 12, am I correct? Um, Yep, 12 years old. Yeah, Yeah. so he was the youngest. And then the oldest in that group was Miss Deborah Danner. And what's really interesting is that, like, last week, this week, the oldest person was a woman. And just... Yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something else that stood out for me as you were turning in, like as you were turning in your research and we were looking over it each week, what also kept striking me was that so many of these people were living in New York. Like there are a lot, like as we moved into the next couple of weeks as well, there was such a, the vast majority of, of the folks that you found information on, you found out they were living in New York. And it just really made me begin to wonder, I mean, there's a pattern here, you know? Like there's a pattern. It
1: happened actually from New York. About five of the people on this list are from New York. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what really stood out for me. So for you, what what kind of stood out for you in week two? Either about the individuals individually Or as a whole, just kind of if you want to share back your reflections on what this week of research was like for you.
1: This week, I will say what really stood out for me is about, well, some of them from New York. Well, yeah, most of this week is from New York. And a lot of the time period that this happened, like the people from New York, like it happened when I was a child. So I really don't remember. I don't remember seeing it on the news or hearing about it or anything. Or maybe I did hear about it, but I was a child then. So I really wasn't worried about it then. What I noticed is when I did the research and I'm actually seeing that this happened, like, years ago when I was a child, I'm like, oh, wow, really, it really made me sad. Especially because I didn't know then, like, I was a child. I wasn't really worried about anything like this. But now, looking into the details as an adult, some of these things that happened, Alberta Spurls, this happened in 2003. Kendra James, this happened in 2003. Sean Bell was 06. So, yeah, those were a time period when I was, um, you know, very young. So I, I I didn't really know much about it. But reading through the details, it just made me sad, like, as an adult.
0: Yeah. So what's... And and what were a lot of the, um, the ways the different people... I just remember the ways that each one of them died was also so similar, right?
1: Yeah, they were all very similar in the way that they... I feel like they, again, they weren't given a chance.
0: So... Like with Kimani Gray, can you kind of talk some about him?
1: So with Kimani Gray, um, the night he was killed, from doing my research, from what I understand, he went to a friend's party on Saturday night. Um, I guess the party was over. And you know, a lot of the times when we go to parties as teens and the party's over, we don't, some of us, we don't go home right away. So I guess him and his friends were just hanging out on the street and there just happened to be cops. Patrolling, and you know, they see a whole bunch of teenagers. and wonder what's going on. So I guess, you know, once the teenagers saw the cops in the car, they got spooked, and they just happened to see um, Kimani break away from the group. And from what they said is, they claim that he looked suspicious because he was fidgeting with his waist when he broke away from the group. So when he broke away from the group, he got approached by two. I believe, I believe they were undercover. Yeah, I don't think they had on a police uniform. So I think he was approached by two undercover police Um, and from what I remember I believe they told him to show his hands I think they approached him from the back they told him to show his hands and they said he didn't or they said he started fidgeting with his waist once they told him to show his hands and he turned around and supposedly pointed a gun at them which is when they fired what a witness that was actually looking out the window the night when that happened she said he didn't have a gun on him and she said he he showed his hands and everything. <sighs> and and the know. gun that was found at the scene, mm-hmm. um Mother said he never owned a gun. A lot of people believe that the police actually probably planted the gun at the scene because they there was a gun found at the scene, but his mother doesn't believe that it was his. A lot of people are saying they believe the gun was planted. But yeah. And there
0: was was it in this this group here. I mean, and the funny thing is like Sean Bell was really similar, right? Like he was at his from what I understand yeah. from Sean Bell's story, he was at a club for his it was his bachelor's party, right? And he was leaving mm-hmm. his bachelor's party. And what I'm trying to remember what was happening at that one.
1: Um so at this one, okay. Um I believe when him and his friends were leaving the club, they got into an altercation um Sean Bell was like with three other friends so I guess they got into an altercation with some guys outside and that night when he was in the club there was an undercover cop in the club so yeah there was a couple of undercovers um so when they got into altercation outside I believe one of the undercover cops believed that they overheard the argument and they believed somebody said something about oh I'm gonna go get my gun so they believed things was gonna go to uh crazy situation that night, I believe, and they called for backup. So when Sean and his friends were leaving, I guess they got into his car, and one of the undercover cops approached his car and told him to put his hands up. And I guess out of fear, like I guess at the heat of the moment, like when the undercover cop approached, I believe he drawed his weapon at the car. So at the heat of the moment, I guess Sean Bell was just frightened. Like I would be frightened too if I was in my car and somebody pulled out a gun on me. I believe he put his car in reverse. And the cop thought he was probably going to try to run him over. So he shot about 50 bullets. Him and probably two other 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 cops. They shot about 50 bullets into the car. And Sean Bell ended up dying. But his friends, they were injured very badly. But they ended up surviving. At the end, they figured out nobody in the car was armed. Sean Bell wasn't armed. His friends wasn't armed. I really just think the cop missed. He wasn't word for it. Kind of miss. Think... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't. They wasn't listening to the right thing. Like, I don't think anybody said anything about a gun when Shamzo got into an argument. Him and his friends got into an argument with some other guys outside the club. I don't believe there was anything said about a gun.
0: Right. So it was just like this, this, this reaction to maybe there being violence. It's like it's like it's a maybe, and. I mean, that's the other thing that stood out for me is like so many of these were like maybes. Maybe Kimani Gray had a gun, but, you know, everyone who knows him knows he didn't have a gun. How could he have had access to a gun? You know, it was maybe. Sean Bell was a maybe. Alberta Spiro, do you remember, can you kind of share some about her? Yes. Yes.
1: So from, like, doing some research on her, I figured out she was a 57-year-old woman. She worked for the city for about 29 years. And everybody that knew her said she was was the type of woman that minded her business. She went to work and she came home. She was a very nice lady. She was never into any trouble. Um, The day that she was killed, oh, so what had happened was a drug dealer, or they called him an informant. So I believe an informant had told police that in her apartment, he believed that. A drug, I mean, a, another drug dealer was stashing things in her apartment, maybe like guns and drugs. You know what? I'm not sure if the drug dealer said that the other drug dealer was stashing stuff in her apartment or it was his apartment, but I believe he, th- he said it was his apartment. Yeah, so I'm thinking the informant told the police that her apartment was the drug dealer's apartment. And he let them know to be careful. You know, there's drugs, there's guns in there, there's dogs. So the police went to her apartment looking for this drug dealer they just threw a grenade in there, and the grenades are, like, used to disorient people, so, like, as soon as they threw it in there, she fell to the floor, and they handcuffed her, so shortly after that, they figured out that this wasn't the apartment the informant was talking about, and they apologized to her, and, you know, I guess they unhandcuffed her, and she let them know she had a heart condition, and they took her to the hospital, I believe, but Shortly after that, like an hour after that whole altercation, she ended up going into Cardiac
0: arrest and she passed. And this just reminds me so much of Breonna Taylor, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, I mean, when you're thinking about reform, you know, police reform, you know, I'm wondering if it's, if it's possible to get information that's more reliable. You know what I mean? Like I get what they're doing you know, the question is how can you get more reliable information and make sure you're in the right place? Because Brianna Taylor was the same way, and it, it just was all of it was was not the correct information. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So they with her she, she she ended up having she had a physical condition that made it just the the trauma and, and the suddenness of having a flashbang grenade thrown into your house when you're like dead asleep and you know you're completely out. Like that I just Yeah. And I believe the crazy thing is when they
1: handcuffed her, she I don't know, work clothes. So she was getting ready to go to work. And
0: ah. I can imagine they getting ready to go to work and something like that happens. Very right, sad. But... Wow. Wow. So like once again this week for me, like the week before, it was just this feeling of things not being finished. And yeah. um, Like there's gaps, right? Yeah, there's gaps. Like there's that, that was the thing too. Like there's gaps. Like there's there's places where there just isn't enough information to really make an informed decision or, or have an informed understanding of what happened there's just, there's blanks in some of this research. I think that was really, you know, unless like we really dug deep and got into police records, (laughs) like being able to find it would have been really difficult, but I want to thank you so much for, for doing this, for, for doing the research for this, this week that, um, that we just talked about and, um, We're gonna go ahead and close it out, close out week two of our podcast. Um, I wanna thank everyone who has joined us this week um, as we reflect on and talk about the individuals that we are remembering during Black History Month in our series, In Memory Of. I invite you to visit Aroha, A-R-O-H-A, Arts Collective where you can see each day we are highlighting, we're focusing on an individual. And, uh, and I also invite you if you're someone who is white and white passing and you are committed to anti-racism efforts and you want to really find ways to work side by side with people of color in a way that's effective and long lasting, I invite you to join an online course that I am offering called Our Moral Imperative, A Revolutionary Change in White America. And you can find that information at my website, Aroha, A-R-O-H-A, ArohaArtsCollective.com slash CycleBreaker. So I hope you have a great week, Ashley. Oh, thank you so
1: much. I hope you have a great week too.
0: Thank you. And I guess we'll be getting up together for week three. Definitely. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Say his name, 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 name. what you say his name?
1: Janelle Monet and Wonderland already started. With that song, the hell you talking about. The fact that we see the bloodshed going on in this country and it won't be overlooked. So we need to let the world know, and you need to know, that silence is the enemy and sound is the weapon.